0: 934- 1-3-8-1- four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's word on this edition of the virtual Bible study
1: well, welcome into the virtual Bible study for Thursday March seventeenth, two 2016 thank you for joining us on the program tonight my name is Jacob Gwyn my father Greg Gwyn is here hello Dan Jacob great to be with you good tonight. to be with you as well and behind the controls welcoming back after a long vacation from the controls Monty Overton's here Monty.
2: Thank you, Jacob. It's good to be here.
1: Good to be with you and look forward to hearing from you tonight, Monty. Look forward to hearing from you on the other end of the line, whether you're listening to us live or in the podcast. Questions at collegeview.com is the email address to use. You can also try and contact us at 877 Or if you're watching us live, the chat window to the bottom of your video feed as we talk about an important – is this like some kind of presidential – Debate thing we're talking well, about?
3: Well, I put out to our update list that we were going to talk about liberals and conservatives. Yeah, I'm sort of And I about hear that. about that on the news all the time. Yeah. Uh, uh, what kind of political candidate do we need to run for president this year? And a lot of people say, oh, we've got to get a true conservative. We need a true conservative to run for president. We're not talking about politics. Uh, but we are talking about conservatives and liberals in the religious sense. Okay. Uh, and then we were, we're going to make some specific, a lot of the things we're going to be talking about specifically have actually been divisive factors among churches of Christ. Uh, and lots of times when when we hear people talking, they'll say, well, that's a liberal congregation or that's a conservative congregation. What do we mean by that sort of terminology and what constitutes liberal versus conservative when it comes to the uh, The church and its work and the way we view authority from the scriptures and so forth that's what we want to talk about tonight
1: all right we'll look forward to that and uh, look forward to hearing your comments again as we talk about some words that uh, well they get thrown around a lot in everyday use but they also get thrown around in religious discussions as well what do they mean And um, what applications do those meanings have in various aspects of our interpretation of the scriptures?
3: Yeah, to our update list today, we sent out an email telling you about our topic and asking you some questions for feedback. We've got a little bit of feedback. We want some more. Uh, You can send us an email. We'll still try to be watching for emails, but you can also comment in the chat room. Uh, We sent these questions out about 11 o'clock today, 11 o'clock central time. What would you identify as a liberal view of Bible authority? Okay. And what would be a conservative view of Bible authority? Number two, what things would constitute a liberal view in regards to the work of the church? The work the church uh, is supposed to be doing. Okay. What's a liberal view of the work of the church? And then also what's a conservative view of the work of the church? And number three, what things would constitute a liberal view in regards to the methods employed to get the work of the church accomplished? And what would be a conservative view? So we want to talk about authority. Then we want to talk about what the church work of the church is. And then we want to talk about how the church is supposed to do its work. And I think we'll see that there are differing views on all of those things. And some of those views we would identify as a liberal way of thinking. And some of those views we would we would identify as a conservative way of thinking. All right. But before we get into that uh, more in a more detailed way, I think uh, we want to make sure that we define our terms. Okay. You know, sometimes it's a really good thing to be liberal, you know, uh, when it comes to giving and sharing and caring. And, you know, if you said about a person, uh, he's very liberal, you would actually be paying a high compliment and praise. If if someone is is just open handedly generous uh, with the thing with them, with their time and money and effort and, and we say, that guy is just really liberal. That'd be a good thing, right? Yes. Yeah. It, it depends on the circles you're talking
1: about. Some people automatically think liberal is a good thing. But typically in the circles that we would be associated with, but, religious people, well, we, people yeah. you, you, you'd say liberally thinking, like, you know, are you in favor of same-sex marriage or yeah. abortion? Or,
3: That's right. That's why I think we want to identify. When we're talking about a, a person who's liberal religiously, we're... We're not talking about someone who's just very generous or you know gracious and kind. When we're using the word in this context, we're usually talking about someone who's sort of loose, uh, who anything goes, right. sort sort of a mentality. Right. So moral relativism. How, yeah, and that's how we're using the term liberal tonight. So now, on the other hand, if you use the word conservative, you can that can be a bad thing too. You know. Right uh uh if someone is going to start binding rules that are not found in the bible you know they just they're very strict very conservative you know and uh they they insist that you adhere to to their particular preferences not biblical but just they have they have certain preferences right. about things you right. know uh what side you know we're going to make a rule about what side you can part your hair on Right. whether men can have facial hair, uh, stuff like that. And he's just really, really conservative about stuff. Well, he's overboard. You know, He's gone right. too far. He, he's, right. he's binding where God hasn't bound. And if you're using the word conservative to describe that approach, we would think that's wrong too. So you can use the word conservative in a bad way, but when we're using it tonight, what we're going to be describing is someone who is very concerned to do everything the way God has said to do it, to have a thus saith the lord for all beliefs and practices right. to have book chapter and verse authority for what we do religiously and so that's how we're trying to use the word and, and and I think m- most of our listeners understand that when we talk about that's a liberal he's a liberal or that's a liberal congregation or he's conservative, or that's a conservative congregation. That's the way we're using the terminology. All right. We're talking about biblical interpretation and application is yeah. what we're talking about. We're not talking about
1: specific uh, attitudes, maybe about giving or um, or rulemaking, things like yeah. that. We're right, talking right. about biblical interpretation, biblical application Right. is what we're talking about tonight when we talk about the conservative and liberal.
3: Yeah. All right. So let's start out, let's, I, I really think that, and we've talked about Bible authority lots of different times on the virtual Bible study over the years, but that's where you've got to start in these kind of discussions. Really, it's a good starting place in almost any discussion, is make sure we understand the Bible authority that pertains to things. Uh, and so what would be a liberal view when it comes to Bible authority? Yes. Uh, I think we've got a couple of emails that may just pin that down, Jay.
1: Well, we have one that does, Uh, Kent from Calhoun, Georgia. Thank you for your email tonight, it's a Kent. a friend
3: from years ago. Thanks for sending in an email, Kent.
1: Kent says, any view that would deny Bible authority would be necessary in all things would be liberal.
3: In other words, if there's this person who says, I don't think you have to have a Bible authority, you can do whatever you want. Kent says, you're liberal. That's liberal, liberal. yeah.
1: Uh, he says, uh, the conservative view of authority would be affirming the necessity of such as well as affirming that Bible authority is ascertained by statements, implications, and examples. If we cannot produce a statement, implication, or example for that which we believe and practice, we might—we have no right to believe or, and/or engage in such practices. He cites Colossians chapter three, verse seventeen, and Second John verse nine. Uh, Colossians chapter three, verse seventeen, we know says, "Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him." And uh, and so uh, there is an is an instruction. That you've got to have Bible authority for all that you do. The second John verse nine says, whosoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the father and the son. So Kent says if you're transgressing or some versions may say go beyond and beyond the authority that we've been given, then we do not uh, have a relationship with. Yeah. Christ.
3: And that verse that Kent not reference Colossians 317 is so important whatsoever you do that would be all inclusive everything that you do in word or deed do all in the name of the lord jesus giving thanks to god and the father by him the the expression in the name of is an expression that denotes authority everything you do do in by the name of or in the authority of the lord jesus christ the old illustration i remember from years ago uh to sort of explain that phrase in the name of you know the classic picture of a of a policeman chasing a robber down the street and he yells stop in the name of the law right well he's saying i have the authority of the law behind me to tell you to stop fleeing uh, and that's the way this expression is used whatsoever you do in word or deed do all in the name of the lord jesus and we're to ha- so that's commanding us to have authority for everything we practice and so anybody who would say we don't have to have authority. We can do we can do things for which there is no authority. Well, they'd be directly denying that passage. I remember one time, I think you were there too, Jacob. We went to a debate uh, out west of Nashville one time, and and the young man who was debating said, we do lots of things for which we have no authority. Now, the purpose of that argument was to say, well, it doesn't matter if
1: we have authority about this because there's lots of things that we don't do, and that was sort of his trump card he was going to play there. Well, yeah, see, yeah. We,
3: there's lots of things we do without authority. Yeah, and, of course, the response to that is, if that's so, then we need to stop. Right. You know, in other words, we can't prove that we can do other things. What that young man was trying to do is say, we can do these things which we don't have authority for because we do other things that we don't have any authority for. Right. Which is, just, of course, backwards reasoning. If we are doing things that we don't have authority for, they should not authorize us to do, they shouldn't justify us doing more. In fact, we ought to stop doing those things. Right, and that's not a rule you've made up. That's not a rule that Monty made up. That's a
1: rule that Jesus and God made up. Colossians chapter uh, two, verse three, uh, three, three verse
3: seventeen. Uh-huh, yeah, exactly.
1: yeah. Says Kent, referenced there. So thank you for that email, Kent.
3: Uh, but we got we got a note here. I think Jim maybe n- he numbered misunderstood. His, his, he,
1: your, he, he misnumbered his. his uh, no, he, I think he misunderstood. He said, uh, "What would you identify as a liberal view of Bible authority? A conservative view?" I think he meant. Would you identify as a liberal oh well viewer what we, of Bible authority or but then he,
3: then he goes on to he, he sort of answers a liberal view is one where an individual is not overly concerned with authority in biblical realms. I agree that's what that's what we're talking about a liberal yeah. person yeah they view those who adhere to authority as legalist or modern day Pharisees, so they would employ any means necessary to accomplish the work of the church. Uh, one senses in this attitude that it is the outcome that is desired and not the means employed that is important. Situation ethics: the ends justify the means is a com- uh, It is common to disregard both biblical examples and necessary inference when discussing the work of the church and God's word. I think that's right. Uh, you know, to the person who is a, a very liberally minded, you could show them a, a, a very detailed, logical, well-presented argument saying, "This is what we're supposed to do, and this is what we're not supposed to do." And they'd basically just ignore it. it doesn't yeah. mean anything they don't care they're not concerned about that that's the sort of the liberal mindset not concerned about Bible authority now this liberal view is I believe the fruit
1: of a tree that's been growing for some time with roots and and lots of other things for instance, failure to recognize the scriptures as the infallible inspired word of God we see lots of religious groups that are adopting that view and challenging the validity of the text. And when we they, when we take that position, then the natural result is then we'll conclude it doesn't really matter if we have Bible authority because the Bible isn't infallible, it isn't from God, it isn't flawless. That's, a, that's an ultra-liberal view. But it is the result of, yeah. that's
3: one thing that causes this view yeah but but really Jacob if, if you can go part way there you can go all the way there to that kind of, of reasoning in other right. words if I can do one thing without being able to prove it's authorized in the scriptures then I can do anything right you know now most people don't want to do that they want to draw a line you know, once we go, start to erode yeah the, our our foundation here yeah most people don't want to go all that far but if if you've uh, sort of opened the door, Mm -hmm. then there's no shutting it, and and anything and everything can go. If you're going to be logically consistent.
1: Yeah. And we've seen religious groups who've actually made that argument in justification of homosexual uh, marriages, homosexual uh, clergy members. They've made that – they've been logical, and they've stated it in in so many words. They've said, well, we didn't listen to the Bible, what what it said about marriage, divorce, and remarriage. So why should we be standing on principles when it comes to homosexuality and homosexual exactly.
0: marriage? Exactly.
1: They said, well, we threw it out the window for that. We're going to throw it out for the window for this. Rather than saying, you know, we should have never thrown it out the window to begin with.
3: We need to get back to doing what the scriptures teach. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the chat room, guest 8759 said, I've heard said I've as I've heard said, why not use scriptural and unscriptural rather than liberal and conservative? And and I, I could go with that, too. I mean, uh uh, we, we're trying to use the terminology that's become prevalent and explain what it means, but certainly, uh, hopefully, the conservative mindset is scriptural. We're trying to base our practice on scripture, where, scripture, whereas we believe that the liberal mindset is unscriptural, not not grounded in scripture. Thank you for those comments tonight, and appreciate our listeners for signing in the chat room. If
1: you've not signed in yet, sign in with other listeners, and let your voice be heard on the program tonight as we look at this idea of liberal versus conservative
3: you know before we want to wrap this up pretty quick but in regards to authority Jacob and we've studied this pretty thoroughly on the virtual Bible study in the past and you can get in our archives and find some of those programs but when God specifies something then it's to be done as he specified and not to be deviated from and the and the classic example we always use is uh, genesis 6 verse 14 when god told noah make thee an ark of gopher wood yeah i've never talked there's probably somebody out there but i've never talked to anybody who said ah well noah could have used any wood he wanted uh i've never i've never i haven't come across that person i don't doubt that there are there are some people out there who would probably try to argue that but most people agree when god told noah make your ark out of gopher wood he had to do that well, that's, that's what we're talking about. Authority. Do what God says. Do it the way he says to do it. Yeah. And so when God specifies, we are limited by what he has specified. Now, there are some commands of Scripture that are general in nature. For instance, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, verse 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Go. Go's a general command. It doesn't specify how to go. In those days, they could walk. They could ride an animal. They could go in a sailing ship. We can do a lot more things. We can go in an airplane, in a car, a train. Uh, we can go over the Internet uh, so that we, our ways of going are expanded. But but that's a general command, not not sp- specific in nature. And in those realms, we have the liberty to use expedient choices, lawful choices. Uh, so when God speaks, we have to adhere to what he says. When he specifies, we have to do what he has specifically said to do and do it the way he said when he's given us general instruction, we are at liberty to use our discretion, our expedient choices to do what needs to be done.
1: Now, you mentioned the word pattern here, and uh, a lot of people, when we say that God has given us a pattern, they sort of uh, ridicule that, and they've come up with a derogatory term, pattern theology. In, in other words, you believe you've got to do the pa- things like God said to do them. God has to time, as you mentioned Back in Genesis chapter 6, that's getting pretty close to the beginning of uh, our recording of how God has dealt with man. But all the way through the scriptures, look in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5, as God is reminding Moses of, he gave instructions and he expects him to do it. He says, uh, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, for see, saith he that thou make all things according to the pattern showed thee in the mount. So it started off, we see, well, back to Cain and Abel even, but you can look at Noah. Now you look at Moses. God gave instructions, patterns, and said,
3: do it the way I said to do it. Do it that way. You're not at liberty to do anything different.
1: Another way to look at it is, rather than pattern, is a command. And that's the equivalent. God said to do something,
3: and you better do it. Don't go innovating and changing what he said to do. Yeah, so we would say Moses would have been liberal if he had said well, i could make that tabernacle it really a matter. different way whatever makes me happy and we would so that's how we're using the word liberal now we're not bound by what god says and but he was he was conservative in his approach and he built it just like god said to build the tabernacle and so we would say he was conservative in his means and methods and in his approach to serving god so that's how we're using the terms liberal and conservative as it relates to Authority, what God has told us to do.
1: Yes, 6425 just says, do not touch the ark. And no doubt a reference to Uzzah and God's instruction that was not open to interpretation. That was a rigid instruction. Don't touch the ark. Uzzah did. His motives were pure, no doubt. But he was struck dead for violating God's instruction, not following the pattern, if you will.
3: Yeah. All right. Uh, Guest 6425 also says a couple of other synonyms that could be employed are sound and unsound. All right. Scriptural, unscriptural, sound, unsound. Liberal, Liberal, conservative. Conservative. And I think if you blend those all together, you get the concept we're trying to describe tonight. All right. We're going to take a break. We're overdue. And when we get back, we'll
1: continue the discussion. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this.
0: After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them
4: during this break. Hi, my name is Mike Johnson. I'm a member here at the College of Church of Christ. Have you ever heard someone say that the members of the Church of Christ are too legalistic? Generally, people say this when we say that we must be careful to follow all the commands that God has given us. When we say, God says we must do this, or God doesn't command us to do that, people respond with, the members of the Church of Christ are too legalistic. Well, while it may be impossible to know exactly what people mean when they make this accusation, if they are accusing us of being legalistic because we say that we should follow all the instructions that God has given us, then that accusation is correct. But let me ask you this. Which of the commands that God has given us should we ignore? Can we pick and choose which commands we follow, or must we follow them all? Jesus said we have to follow all the commands of God when he said in Luke chapter 6 verse 46 And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? We want to call Jesus our Lord, so we try to follow all the commandments that he has given us. We don't in any way think that following God's commands earns our salvation, but we do think it is necessary to be pleasing to him. Here at the College of Church of Christ, we're trying to follow every command that God has given us. If, as a result, some people call us legalistic, then so be it. We think it's what God calls being righteous.
3: Here's some quotes worth pondering. He that will not command his thoughts will soon lose command of his actions. He who injured you was either stronger or weaker than you. If he was weaker, spare him. If he was stronger, spare yourself. Go with God or don't go. A Christian shows what he is by what he does with what he has. A great man is always willing to be little. What we need is neither negative thinking nor positive thinking, but realistic thinking. Thinking characterized by enough pessimism to trigger concern, enough optimism to provide hope. Most of us know how to say nothing, but few of us know when. Man, wish I'd said that.
0: Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our
1: website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. We're back on the program tonight as we talk about liberal and conservative. Compare them and compare with what the scriptures teach along those lines. Along those lines, Travis in the chat room has referenced 1 Corinthians 4, verses 17 and 18 for this reason. I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. Now, some are puffed up as though I were not coming to you. You know, if we ignore this idea that there's a pattern, there are instructions, there are commands, there are uh, things that we need to follow, you really have a hard time figuring out why we have the scriptures at
3: all. Well, why would Paul have sent Timothy to remind you of the things I teach in every church? What does it matter? Yeah. Uh, you know, so what? You know, why send Timothy? The fact that he would send Timothy to remind them of what they'd been taught indicates what you've been taught is critical, and you need to be reminded to do it that way. Right. So it just really makes everything gel if we understand it
1: this way. If we don't, then you got a lot of explaining to do as to why we have passages like God this. On, go ahead. You're up.
2: You know, there was another place where Paul said to find faithful men who would teach other men. Same things they'd been taught, basically teaching a process of duplication. In the manufacturing industry, that's what we have: is a process of duplication. We have a blueprint that we go by that has all the information to make this part. And some of the blueprints of parts I've been making lately was made back in the 1920s. So we can still, in 2016, make a tool to the blueprint that was made in 1920, and they can put it back in the machine and make the same parts with it that they did. Sixty years ago.
1: So if you follow the blueprint, you get the same, get the same result thing. Get
3: as
2: you
1: the same would have gotten hundred years ago. Yeah.
3: Now, and we, now, the question is, do we want the same result that they were getting in the first century?
2: Well, when we look in the first century, what they were doing was following the instructions given, and they were being Christians. Those instructions made Christians. So if we follow those same instructions... Will be the same Christians they were. Exactly.
3: No. We we very well better be wanting the same result they got. Now, uh, the, to put it another way,
1: Monty, I understand you're thinking about building a house. Yeah. It, you might need to have your head examined if you're no, thinking we're that way. On that too. <laughs> okay. Uh, but no, you're thinking about building a house. Now, you're, when you build this house, you're going to have a pattern that you give to the builder. Right. When you give him that pattern, you expect the house to be built like the pattern you gave him. You know, if you show if, up when he says I'm done. And it doesn't look like what you told him to build. We're not going to be interested in paying for it that There's going to moment. be some reconciling there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the same is true with God. I mean, how how audacious would, us, would it be for us to say, you know, God, you told me to do it this way. Yeah. I, you know, I, you didn't really know what you're talking about. I got a better idea. Yeah. All, right. You All know, right. Jesus
2: said, I will talking about building. I'll build my church, his church. Right. And so he had the pattern. He had the instructions, how he wanted it done. And that's what he built was his church. Right. So we need to be following those instructions. If we're going to be part of his church, we're going to have to follow his pattern. All right. You
3: know, I've used the illustration for, for years. The, let's say that um, I want my house painted. I'm going to go off for a few days, and I contract with you to paint my house, Jacob. But and you I, don't have that much money. And I say paint I, it. I'm not in that <laughs> business. <laughs> paint it white and paint the trim green. Yeah. Okay, so I've I've specified what I want. So I leave. You come the next day to begin the job of painting the house, but you say, white. Another white house. This whole street has just got a white house everywhere. I'm going to paint it brown. And, of course, green trim with the brown house wouldn't be too good, so I'm going to paint the trim maybe a darker brown or something. Yeah. So you paint it the way that you think is good. Yeah, and I'm real happy with it when I And you like it. Yeah. And so I come back at the appointed time, and I look at the house. What's going to happen? Well, there's a possibility that I will like what you chose to do instead of what I did, and I Mm -hmm. may go ahead and pay you. But there's a far greater possibility that I will say, you didn't do what I said. I'm not paying. So if you were the house painter, what would be your best bet? What would be the best course of action for you to follow? Do what I said. Do it just as I said. Even if it's not according to your preference, do what I said. And that way you'd assure that you'd be paid at the point in time. To me, that's just a logical approach that we should use when it comes to serving God. Do what he said. Even if it's not necessarily what we would do if it was left up to us to decide it, do what he said. And that that way we come closest to being confident of a reward in the end. All right. Uh, let us know your thoughts. Look forward to hearing from you on the
1: program. Time you might even well we we're making parallel. We, what about this? What if you what if you become deathly ill, and you go to the doctor and you say, Doctor, you got to help me get over this. The doctor says, Well, yeah, this is simple. You're you're not alone. I see this all the time. What you need to do is you need to take this medicine, and you need to eat these foods, and you need to engage in this kind of exercise, and you'll get better. He said, okay, and you went home, and you just didn't do any of that. You said, well, you know, he said to take this kind of medicine, but I think this other medicine would be better. And he said to eat, to eat this kind of food, but I'd, I'd rather have this. He said to exercise, but I don't like that, and you didn't do it. You'd be foolish. Yeah, you,
3: but, hey, but you would do that with your – you would not do that with your physical health. But, but we'll they, do it
1: with our soul yeah. all day long. Yeah. It just makes no sense.
3: Yeah, exactly right. All right. All right, now, we want to take these concepts, and we want to apply them. And in fact, we'll probably grab our, our – uh, Uh, bullet point break here before we do we want to apply them to what is the work of the church and how uh, and then what uh, how's that work supposed to be done and how would a liberal person approach the work of the church how would a conservative person approach the work of the church and then how would they each approach how it's supposed to be done all right now
1: as we do that we need to put this overarching principle on it and that is that God wants us to be unified in the religious world. Jesus wanted it so bad that he's praying for it right before his crucifixion. John chapter 17, verse 20. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be also one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. So Jesus wants us all to be unified. So let's just forget that God knows better than us. Maybe we, we know better than God. Let's just forget about that. Can we at least say that we ought to be unified, and the only way we're going to be unified is if we agree on a standard. Yeah. And that standard can't be what I think, what I like, what I prefer. Unless
3: we're all, uh, unless we're all going to coronate you as the
1: king, right, as the king. Yeah. When there's somebody else that needs to be the king. Uh, yeah. Uh, so what we need to do is, for crying out loud, if we're gonna, if we're going to do what Jesus begged us to do, then we're going to have to agree to standard. That standard has to be the Scriptures, and the only way we can and then be unified as if we'll follow the scriptures exactly like God has given them. to. Okay. All right, we'll get a break and get this week's bullet point. When we come back, we talk about
0: application.
3: What is, what is the work of the church? How would liberals view it? How would conservatives view it? All right, don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this.
0: Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this.
3: This is Greg Gwen with this week's bullet point. We've all heard the jokes about politicians. The question, for instance, how can you tell if a politician is lying? If his lips are moving, it's truly a shame that their past conduct has branded them with such a terrible reputation. Surely their potential for doing good has become severely limited because of their inclination to tell lies. Christian, do you see a lesson there? Can you understand the critical need for honesty in all that we do? The scriptures have a good deal to say about this. Ephesians 4 verse 25, wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Proverbs 12, verse 22, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are his delight. Colossians 3, verse 9, lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. From these verses, we conclude that honesty is necessary in order to, first of all, maintain right relationships with others. Did you notice it said, we are members one of another? It's also necessary to please the Lord, because the scripture says, lying lips are an abomination to him. And it's also necessary to demonstrate that we've been truly converted. That verse in Colossians 3 verse 9 said we have put off the old man with his deeds. And so Christians remember that all liars have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death, Revelation 21 verse 8. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it.
1: My name is Jim Meisner. I worship at the Church of Christ in Deckerville,
4: Michigan. Be sure to listen to the virtual Bible study and watch it.
0: Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the Virtual Bible Study every week. Now, back to the
1: program. We're back on the program tonight as we talk about liberal and conservative. Reminding you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Our website, if you've never been to it, maybe you're listening to us on iTunes or your podcast receiver, is thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Find out more information about us there. Find out how to come and join us in our worship on Sunday mornings and Wednesday, Sunday nights and Wednesday. Find out more at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And we have failed to mention tonight, but we've to some bumper stickers. If you'd like a bumper sticker, send us an email with your mailing address, and we'll send you a bumper sticker free of charge. You can help us get the word out yeah. about the Virtual Bible Study.
3: Yeah, that's right. So, we, And we do have bumper stickers left, so send us a, a, your snail mail address, and we'll get you one.
1: And if you haven't found our sermon podcast, it's on iTunes as well, and you can find out how to subscribe to that on iTunes or on our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, where we podcast a sermon that's been presented to the College of Church of Christ. Catch those there as well. Something else for you to listen to as you work. Monty, you're signed up to that uh, sermon podcast. It's coming through on your phone, I assume.
2: Yeah, I, I can listen to them. Uh, normally at work, I'll start out in the morning because it's a couple hours, or three hours till break time, so I'll listen to a virtual Bible study, and then maybe a second one, and then if it's less than an hour, then I'll listen to a sermon. Oh. And then after break, I can listen to another virtual Bible study, and then depending on how the time works out and what I'm doing, maybe I can even get another he, he sermon me, or virtual Bible study. He told yeah.
3: me before we began tonight that he has listened to all the programs dating back now two years back. He's going. He started current. Instead of starting at the beginning and catching up, he started here and is working his way back, and he's back two years. Two years. Worse. All right. Well, thank you, Monty, for that. That's like 100 programs almost.
2: Works out really good. I get paid to listen to spiritual things.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. All right. Uh, check it out, TheVirtualBibleState.com. Talking about liberal versus conservative night. Guess 6425 puts it well. I like this. Uh, Thy will be done, not, that's what it, the scripture, that's what Jesus' attitude was, not, I know it says it, but, yeah, yeah that wasn't Jesus yeah. uh, in uh, Gethsemane there.
3: That's exactly right. All right. All right. So this, the the follow up now, as you said, Jacob, make some applications about liberal thinking and conservative thinking when it applies to the work of the church, because th- this is where very often where these terms get thrown around. That's that's a liberal congregation. And that's a conservative congregation. What do we mean by that? Well, it has to do with the, the way we think about the work of the church, Um We think that the scriptures are very clear about what the church is supposed to be doing. In 1 Timothy 3, verse 15, the church is called the pillar and ground of the truth. And so that suggests that an important assignment of the church is to get the word out, to support the truth, the the preaching and proclamation of God's message. Um, This was what we see uh, when we read about some of those first century congregations uh, in, in Philippians chapter 1, uh, the Apostle Paul commended the church at Philippi because they had supported him in the preaching of the gospel. In Philippians 1 verse 3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, make, making request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Uh, later in that epistle, he mentions uh, even in Thessalonica he sent once again to my necessity in, in chapter four verse sixteen. So we see churches supporting the preaching of the gospel, spreading the the good news about salvation in Christ Jesus. Evangelism—that's what we call it—and so an important work of the church is evangelism. Another passage where that's noted is First Thessalonians chapter
1: one verse eight. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth not only in Macedonia and in Achaia but also in every place your faith where God has gone out so that we do not need to we do not need to say anything. So the word of the Lord, the gospel, was being spread by
3: the church there in Thessalonica. Yeah, and I don't really think we would get a huge argument from anybody about that. I think almost everybody. I don't care. Uh, you you could be probably well no I take that back. You could be in a very liberal denomination. But they still say, we've got to get the message out. Now, we have talked. I remember once I we talked know. to the Unitarian Universalist preacher woman who I don't think she had any interest in getting the word out about Jesus at all. She, she didn't believe that you needed to even believe in Jesus or God, for that matter. You could be an atheist and be a member of the church that she preached for. So some, some. ultra-liberal people probably don't. So, but most everybody would agree that it's important for the church to be getting the word out. There
1: are some groups who say that we don't need to be evangelical, though. Some ultra Calvinists
3: say we don't need to. But the scriptures clearly suggest that churches in the first century were doing that work of evangelism. All right. So work number one is evangelism. Work number two is edification. And and here let us define our terms. We're using the concept of evangelism to get the word out to the lost. We're talking about edification. To edify is to build up. And we're suggesting the idea of strengthening those who are already Christians. Uh, and, and it seems clear that part of God's design for the church was that Christians be strengthened by their association together in the church. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the matter some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Don't forsake the assembly; come together, be be uh, exhorted and edified by your coming together. And it seems clear that uh, this was part of what God wanted the church to be doing: strengthening those who were already Christians.
1: All right, uh, let us know your thoughts uh, on that tonight. And then, a passage Hebrews chapter four, verse eleven through sixteen talks Ephes- about Ephesians. I think you're looking at Ephesians. Did I say Ephesians? Yeah, you said Hebrews again. Oh, Hebrews. I mean, Ephesians. Yeah, Yeah. they're close. Uh, It talks (laughs) about all the different uh, offices in the church. And and these are present for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So it clearly is a work of the church to edify itself.
3: Yeah, exactly right. All right. So we've got two things. Evangelize, get the message out, especially to the lost edify strengthen those who are already christians build them up uh and then the third work that the god that god has given to the church is a work of benevolence um when we talk about benevolence we're talking about physical necessities of life food clothing shelter that sort of thing and the lord has given an assignment to the church in that regard although it's a limited role uh in that regard um we know that um the church is instructed to to relieve certain people. Uh, for instance, 1 Timothy 5, verse 16, if any man or woman that believeth have widows, let them relieve them and let not the church be charged that it may relieve them that are widows indeed. In other words, the church wasn't to to, to relieve everybody, but there were certain individuals that the church was authorized to care for uh, and and. In every instance, when we see the church engaged in acts of benevolence, it was toward needy Christians. The church is not a general welfare society. There's no authority for the church to be expending its resources in a general benevolence toward all men, but specifically in a very limited role. The church where they are needy saints, the church is to engage in those works of benevolence. I like the way Kent
1: put it from Calhoun, Georgia. Kent says the only type of collective works authorized by the New Testament for the local church to accomplish is. Notice this. He says the only works authorized. Again, we're talking about the pattern, what God has commanded. He says those works are evangelism, qualified benevolence and edification. I like that. Qualified benevolence. You know, limited, right. qualified. Same idea. I, I like that. That's right. that's uh, right. he, he says proper distinction must be made between what the individual Christian is authorized to do and what the local church is authorized to do. This is the conservative or scriptural viewpoint. The liberal view includes various works for the local church, such as entertainment, recreation, and the social gospel. So Kent says you do what the scriptures have authorized or commanded, you don't do whatever you desire and to do. I, I
3: really appreciate Kent bringing out that there's a difference between what the individual Christian can do and what the what the collective church can do. Uh, as an individual, I can do lots of things with my money, with my resources, with my time and abilities, uh I'm, I, and I'm authorized to do so as an individual, and part of that would be I, I can be benevolent toward all men. You know, as a as a, uh, a concerned person, uh, I might choose and should, in many instances, choose to be benevolent toward anybody and everybody that has a need. Galatians chapter six, verse ten would exactly. give you that authority. Exactly. But as as the church, God has given the church a limited role. I I think I can see His wisdom in that, so that it can do the more crucial work of spreading the gospel and building up the saints uh, spiritually. So, uh, I, you know, sometimes I think we get represented as being mean, heart, mean-spirited, hard-hearted when we say the church has a limited role in benevolence. Well, that's true. There's, the scriptures clearly teach that the church has a limited role in benevolence. But as an individual Christian, I am not limited, and I can and should do good unto all men. As I have opportunity, Galatians 6, verse 10. Okay. All right. Uh, Jim says, a conser- this is Jim from Kentucky. He says, a conservative view with regards to the work of the church would be to engage in the work of evangelism, edification, and benevolence with a thus saith the Lord attitude regarding the authority of the scriptures in all that is done. There is no authority to do a work. Uh, if there is no authority to do a work, then it's not to be done, no matter how much good it might seem to accomplish. Uh, understanding authority and dealing with god's word in regards to command example necessary inference we speak where the bible speaks and are silent where the bible is silent yeah i think jim's exactly right there you know uh, there's just all kinds of examples and we uh, and i'm sure our listeners can just recite from their own experience all kinds of things that religious organizations that they're familiar with right in their own communities probably have gotten involved in you know uh sponsoring scout troops uh uh, uh, taking kids to the the amusement park, uh, uh, having uh, you know an ice cream social. Uh, I mean, it, it, you can make a list as long as your arm, and you wouldn't even have touched uh, the, the hem of the garment, as we say. The churches have got involved in all sorts of things that would not fall into those categories of evangelism, benevolence, and uh, evangelism, edification, and benevolence. Now what we're saying here is it's the liberal mindset that says let's let's get the church involved in providing parties for young people uh let's get the church involved in uh, uh maybe a a a general benevolent uh community action you know and, and the reason why is to us it seems good you know it just seems like as as was suggested here uh by jim Look how much good is being done. Well, it's not up to us to determine what is good. It's not up to us to judge the good that is being accomplished. God says what is good, and he tells us what he wants the church to be doing, and that's good. And we need to be limited by that. Yeah. All right. Uh, In the chat room,
1: guest 8758 says, well, we'll talk about that in a minute. Anthony says, and he talks about this idea of liberal versus conservative, the, the terminology as it, it is a relative term he says there's always someone more liberal or more conservative to you than you uh, he's very careful in using those terms for that reason uh, he's not saying that the people or church leadership er but labels are difficult to apply in an absolute fashion that's true and, that's, we, yeah, started, and that's, we started the program saying you know we're using the terminology that's been adopted yeah and, and there, there may be other terminology that's more suitable as some have said scriptural or unscriptural that's yeah. that's absolute sound or unsound that's an absolute yeah uh the typical usage of the term is what we're we're yeah talking we're trying about. to
3: use we're trying to use the words as they are typically used, but as we said at the outset you know uh you if if conservative means that you're binding things that God doesn't bind then that, that's not good either right so you can go you can go to extreme on one end of the spectrum or the other, and that's not to say that any of us have got it all you know figured out perfectly. Uh, and not saying that any of us might not err, but we understand that there's a principle that needs to be pursued, and that is Bible authority for all we do in our individual lives, but also in our corporate congregational activities. We need to be deeply committed to trying to do Bible things in Bible ways. All right. Uh, What are your
1: thoughts? Let us know. It's time for us to get our last break. When we get back, how does that then impact this liberal or conservative, if you will, mindset? How does that then influence the way that we
3: accomplish the actions so, that God is so told what, us to? Do? So what's the, the church supposed to do? What is? What are the things the church is supposed to be involved in? And then how is the church? Now let's talk quickly, when we come back from this break, let's talk about how the church is to do its work. All right. We'll get that uh, on the other side of the break. We'll go to the top of the hour right after this.
0: Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. Hi, I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the virtual Bible study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the virtual Bible study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time.
3: We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. There are three factors that at least one in five U.S. adults say they will consider when they evaluate political candidates. 71% of Americans say they will pay close attention to candidates' stances on the key issues. A distant second on voters' radar is the character of the candidates, deemed critical by 41% of adults. The third most common consideration is the candidate's political experience, listed by 22%. These are followed by the party affiliation of the candidate, 15%, their educational achievement, 11%, Their personality, 10%. The least significant components in voters' decision-making include the religious faith of the candidate, 9%. Their speaking ability, 5%. Their age, 2%. Endorsements, 2%. And physical appearance, 1%. That information is via barna.org. The Word of God says in Proverbs 14, verse 34, Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people.
0: Quit checking your email. The commercials are over, and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. Back
1: on the program tonight, and we're going to talk about the way that the work of the church then should be accomplished according to the liberal view and according
3: to the conservative view. Well, you see, we've got to agree about what the work is first. Right. right, but then there's also the follow-up. Okay, so let's agree that the work of the church is to be evangelistic. We're supposed to be evangelizing the world teaching the lost about salvation in Christ Jesus. But there's also a question about what's the authority for how to go about that. And we believe that the New Testament lays that out for us clearly. There is a pattern. We used we talked about the word pattern before. Uh, first of all, a local church can support a preacher while he works among them. First Corinthians 9, verse 14, Paul said the, the laborer is worthy of his hire. Okay. Uh, no, actually, I think in First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14, Paul, uh, yeah, I believe that's it. I'm getting ahead of myself. I think that's where he says a uh, laborer is worthy of his hire, First Corinthians nine fourteen. Secondly, so a, a church can support a preacher working among them. A congregation can support a man while he preaches in some other place. That's what Philippi did to Paul. We already referenced Philippians 1, 3 through 5 and chapter 4, verses 15 through 18. And then a third way is several congregations can support a man while he preaches off in some locale. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 8, When he was at Corinth, he said, I robbed other churches taking wages from them to do you service. So there's three different ways. Preacher works among people and they support him. A church supports a preacher while he's off in another place. Several churches support that preacher while he's off in another place. But in every case, when we read in the New Testament, the pattern was that the sending church sent directly to. The preacher receiving those funds. Right. Uh, there was no intermediary uh, agency. So to speak. There wasn't a, uh, a missionary society. There wasn't some sort of mission board making decisions about how this money was going to be administered. The sending church sent to the receiving preacher. Also, there wasn't uh, any case where one church sent to another church, or maybe several churches sent to one church. And that one church took on the oversight of the funds to send it to the preacher. Some of our brethren have got in the habit of appointing one church as a sponsoring church. Let's say I'm going to go to uh, Outer Timbuktu. Yeah, they did And that. so yeah. the church A says we're going to sponsor his work and and all you other churches send to us and we'll we'll administer, we'll oversee the sending of funds to to the preacher in Timbuktu. Right. There's no example of that anywhere in the Scriptures. And and so that would be without authority. The idea of uh, the idea of a missionary society is clearly without authority, but the, also the idea of a sponsoring church arrangement is clearly without authority in the Scripture. So if the things we've said about a pattern
1: and having authority for all that we do mean anything, then they must mean that we are concerned about the pattern that we see on evangelism. And that pattern... Needs to be followed, whether it makes sense to us or not, whether it seems picky to us or not. You know, Moses was told to make all things according to the pattern that was shown him in the mound in Hebrews chapter 8. Well, what if, what if Moses says, you know, all those little clasps and the little, you know, the little sockets and the boards. Uh, that's a little bit picky. No, he had to do it that way. We believe that there's a pattern we need to follow. Yeah,
3: Because if we don't, what we begin to do is we begin to build a hierarchy in the, within the church structure. You know, if this uh, uh, this man-made organization, a missionary society, begins to accept money from churches and then administer those funds as it sends preachers out to various places, that missionary society, that human organization, has superseded and usurped the role of the churches in evangelism Uh, most of our brethren have said we see that that's wrong however i'm concerned that in recent years some people have been coming to that methodology sort of in a backdoor fashion and and i think some of our brethren have unwittingly established missionary societies to to be preaching the gospel they need a lot of people need to really seriously rethink that but the same thing is also true of a sponsoring church. If we can put one church in charge of evangelistic work and other churches can send to that church, then you see how we begin to construct a hierarchy of church uh organization that's nowhere found in the scriptures. There's a reason why we gotta do Bible things in Bible ways. But
1: there's an argument made, you know, these little churches, they they can't do much by themselves. And they may not even know about where the evangelism is needed. You know, we could do a lot more we could do a
3: lot better or, if we came up with this way. And, and and that mentality is we we can come up with a better plan than God can. That's exactly the result. I mean, you may not think it think
1: it that way, but that's in effect what you're saying to God is, God, we got a better idea.
3: Yeah. And I think the danger of, of building that superstructure of organization in the Bible is a greater danger than the, that some little church somewhere might miss out on an opportunity to do a, a specific work of evangelism. If they don't know of it and if they can't do it, then they're not held accountable for doing it. All right. They don't know about it. It wasn't their opportunity. That's right. If they didn't know, if they didn't know, and they didn't have an occasion to get involved, then they're not even responsible for it. Yeah. That's All right. Right. All right. All right. So that's how we're supposed to do evangelism. What about edification? You know, it, it, it is argued that taking kids to the amusement park, having youth gatherings, having cookouts at the you know uh, at the park, uh, taking kids on field trips to different locations uh having youth programs softball teams basketball leagues that's all that I man I mean, that really builds people up you know yeah. that and, and so it, it's argued that that's edification and so many have gotten churches involved in a whole array of what constitutes basically recreationals and social events with the with the argument being it it helps make people stronger well, no, it doesn't. You know, I, I I like to play ball, but I'm not any stronger spiritually because I played in a ball game. You, to be made stronger spiritually means to be exposed to the truth of the scripture, and I'm not going to get that by a social outing or a recreational event. Uh, always in the scripture, uh, the the things necessary for edification. Uh, you mentioned earlier. And in, in, in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, all those things are spiritual. They're not carnal. They're not secular. They're not physical. They're all spiritual in nature.
1: Now, we don't want to impugn the motives of those who are advocating these types of activities. Certainly, those who are advocating for a sponsoring church have noble motives. They want to spread the gospel. Those who are advocating for the youth groups that have bowling and uh, softball outings and rafting trips, they have noble aspirations. And motives for that but it our motivation doesn't matter look back at us again god said don't touch the ark he touched it he was punished aspirations and motives are not a factor we have to follow the pattern that god has given
3: us yeah kit says the liberal position would be inclusive of any method that would would change or modify what the new testament authorizes for the local church to accomplish its work One other key point is that of human institutions. A human institution is really is not a method of accomplishing work. It's a different organization from the local church. God formulated the local church to be sufficient in accomplishing its own work without the interference of human organizations. While a local New Testament church may purchase a service from a human organization, it is not authorized to make a contribution or to accomplish its work through a human institution organization. Amen, Kent. Exactly right.
1: Thank you, Kent, for your comments tonight. And then uh, from Jim from Kentucky, says, A liberal view in order to accomplish the work would be evangelism. That's encouraging people to attend the worship service by advertising a dinner to be provided afterwards. Inviting non-members to come to a fifth quarter get-together to have snacks and pray after a football game. Raising funds through a community yard sale in order to support a missionary. Sending money overseas to help build a hospital. Sending funds from the church treasury to support a Bible college And for benevolence, a liberal view would be providing clothing and food or money to non-Christians. And we haven't talked about it yet, uh, or I guess we have. Um, Edification, having a a church supper in the family life center, or even the suggestion of the need to build a family life center. He says conservative, a conservative view of evangelism would be teaching one about the gospel and inviting them to come worship, but not enticing them with food or something other than simply the opportunity to learn God's word. Edification, a conservative view, would be Bible study, comforting a grieving brother or sister, visiting brethren while in the hospital. Benevolence, a conservative view, would be taking up a collection upon the first day of the week as each Christian practices the command to lay by and store, and then using those funds to help widows indeed, or to be used in supporting a preacher in the work of the church, or a needy brother or sister in Christ. Having book, chapter, and verse for all that is done in accomplishing God's command and not giving in to current culture. Thank you, Jim.
3: I think that's right, Jim. Uh, In in regards to, so we talked about the pattern to do the work of evangelism, the pattern to do the work of, of edification. There's also a pattern of benevolence. Certainly, when it comes to the matter of church benevolence, we're talking about what we do corporately or collectively in the local congregation. Right. There is, in other words, if we have a need within our local congregation, we have a needy saint, we can address that need. On our own, no, no, no. Other church needs to be involved. We take care of that need. If that need here grows so great, let's say we had some horrible natural calamity, and everybody here in the local congregation was was destitute. Other churches could send here to this church to relieve the needs that exist in this place. Here, you know, earlier we said in evangelism, churches always sent to, didn't send to other churches. Churches sent directly to the preacher receiving. The support but in benevolence when one church helps a need that exists in another church that was sent from church to church the sending church sends to the leadership the eldership the overseers of the receiving church so that they can administer and distribute those funds among those who are in need uh, and, and we have examples of that acts 11 verse 27 beginning paul Wrote quite a bit about that because he was taking up a collection on his last missionary journey to carry to the needy saints in Jerusalem. First Corinthians sixteen one through three, Second Corinthians eight one through five, chapter nine verses one and two, Romans fifteen verses twenty five through thirty two. But again, there was no no intervening organization, no central collecting and distributing institution. It was all done within the framework of the church as god designed it and built it
1: all right we are out of time and over time tonight uh but uh, a good discussion it's important i mean it's not we're say you're just being nitpicky no i believe we're doing what god has commanded us to do and uh and doing it in the way that he commanded and that really is reverencing and and respecting god when we say you know god told us to do it this way and We respect him. We're going to do it that way.
3: Yeah. And again, you got to let us use the terminology the way we're just using the terminology the way it has come to be used. We understand the limitations of terminology. Yeah. But uh, I think most of our listeners understand what we mean when we talk about liberal versus conservative. And when we apply that to to uh, congregations, liberal and conservative, and liberal, conservative, Christians. Uh, so uh, we've just sort of tried to identify that and why those terms are used. Monty, thank you for being here tonight.
2: Thank you, Jacob.
3: You know, we've been a little bit liberal
1: with the amount of time that we've used tonight. Yeah, but that's a good thing. That's a good thing. All right. We appreciate you for sticking with us tonight. We appreciate you for joining us. Hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.